Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the live Q&A with yours truly. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you all are having a great uh, start of the week. I look forward to serving you all in these live Q&As always. But if you're watching me for the very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzi, also known as Coach Josh. And my goal to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like this guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe. I would love to be your coach here online. But for those who's been subscribed for years, if not days, if not minutes, I want to say thank you so much uh, for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray it continues to be treasure to you. But as everyone is coming in live and typing their questions in, I'm going to let you guys know about some things. Most of y'all already know about it, but just in case you knew or just in case you've been contemplating, um, I have some coaching spots available. If you're looking for some one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching or uh, uh, in-person coaching as far as events and whatnot, uh, feel free to contact me. Uh, the link is in the uh, chat box to the right or left or below and also in the description box below as well. And so if you need coaching with your relationship, I do pre-engagement, engagement, marriage, relationship coaching, all kinds of sorts. Also, spiritual development coaching, singleness coaching. Uh, if you need help with your purpose and discovering it and uh, maximizing, I can help you with that as well as branding and marketing. So I have a lot of spots available for the uh, top of the year, including this week. So um, go ahead and let me know how I can serve you. Also, my latest book, The Holiness Journal, is now available on Amazon as well as other books. This book is a book that will help you process your wholeness and your ability to hold the important things of life. And so it's a great resource uh, for families, couples, um, uh, parents, and children just to really process um, uh, what are the holes in your life that's keeping you from holding the things that God has you holding or the things you desire to hold. Also, uh, all that's available on my website as well. But the card game that I created is uh, a cool concept to wholeness. The first one who spells whole wins is a fun interactive card game uh, for individuals who want to um, just understand what it means to be single, whole, well, uh, individual that can be able to support others as well as support the relationships that you're currently in. So I hope that stuff is available uh, or, or is a benefit for you. You can get it right now on my website, I am unplugged.com. All right. Now I think we got some people coming in already. Uh, we got Christina saying and says, hey, what's up, coach? Hope you're well. Fun with Tasha. What's going on? Gina D says, hey, coach, hope all is well. God bless you and your family. Thank you so much. Ernest says, what's up, brother? It's been a while. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, fam. We're glad to have you on the live. Thank you for joining me, man. Jody Real says, how can we be sure that heaven is real? Um, well, um, by faith. And by faith alone, man, um, nobody on this side of glory has ever been to heaven. Um, but there's but there's uh, there's some realities that we can glean from. I mean, um, death is a transition, um, but that's where faith comes in. Um, and I think the more you begin to engage in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and understand God more, then you'll kind of have a, a hope there, especially. Well, this is a path that you can take. Uh, first off, uh, proving the infallibility of God's word. If you can prove that God's word is true, that it's inerrant, meaning without error, and, it, and, and his prophecies has been fulfilled, and you begin to find that this is truly the word of God, then if it's proven to be the word of God, it's been proven to be considered one of the top historical documents of all time, that it has prophecies that has been fulfilled and things of like that, then whatever it says, will give insight. So if, it, if you can prove the word of God is true, 
and, and, and have faith that that's God's word and then begin to read the contents of that, that document and then find faith and hope in it from your uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then you will begin to understand that what it says about heaven and hell is real. I can tell you one thing that could prove hell is real. You know what I'm saying? If you if you uh, if you could believe in the prison system, then you can also believe in hell. Um, for those who break the law in this earthly realm, that's what prisons are built for. And so, you know, for those who break the eternal law and continue to uh, live without uh, having their hope and faith in in Christ, then you can almost make sense that hell is real as well. So, I hope that helped, fam. Uh, Christina said and says. If a man is not financially ready to be in a relationship, but is a godly man and has a servant's heart, should a woman wait for him? Well, the only person um, um, that you should be waiting on and serving is God. And and because um, you want to marry a man that's holistically well, holistically healthy, a man can be a man of God. He could be a, a good person at heart. But uh, we know that the top two reasons why marriages fail is because of finances and infidelity, right? And so it, 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 I wouldn't necessarily wait on him. Um, the thing is, I will continue to wait on God. And what I mean by that is serving him as a waitress. Continue to serve and fellowship God. In the meantime, if it's been proven by God that that's the one for you, then eventually he'll be at the altar with you, right? And so I would never wait on a man emotionally, mentally, physically. Don't get me wrong. You can be cordial. You could be cool, uh, especially this convert, if there's confirmation from God there. But I wouldn't sit there waiting arms forward because you're going to put unnecessary pressure on him. You're going to frustrate him because you're waiting with emotions being built up. And you don't want that to happen to a man who is aggressively working to become financially stable. Because if a man knows that you're sitting on the sidelines waiting on him to get things done and then <clears throat> What if God's timing is stretched a little bit further? What if God is having him go through certain trials to make him versatile financially, but you're impatient? Anytime you wait on something while watching the clock, you're going to become impatient. You're going to become unbearable, unbearable, right? Because now you're going to be sitting there waiting for him to manifest something while you're not occupying doing yourself doing something. So what I would do is continue to wait on God, serve God, continue to focus on your purpose, continue to focus on personal development, and then let him and God figure out the figures out, right? The financial financials out. And then in meantime, you will find yourself uh, with the one that God has for you. So to answer your question, if a man is not financially ready to build a relationship, but he is a godly man and a servant's heart, should a woman wait on him? Number one, you never want to wait on potential or you don't want to necessarily uh, 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 be connected with potential and be connected with progress. A lot of people, they marry potential, but they forget that progress is what you should measure. And what I mean by this is this. If that man is not trying to become financially stable and this man is, quote unquote, waiting on a manifestation of God, waiting on a bag to fall from heaven. Right. Then that you should just you shouldn't even waste your time on an individual. Right. But if that you see that man's getting multiple jobs, he's getting himself together, then 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 celebrate that while at the same time invest in what God wants you to do so that you don't build unnecessary emotion and cause unnecessary tension and frustration on that man, making him uh, feel uneasy because you're waiting on him to have money coming through. Hope that helped. Great question, though. Jessica J says, hey, coach, my question is, how do you deal with fear of following God's will or stepping out in faith? I have insecurities and it seems like I'm emotionally unstable due to these insecurities, opinions of people. Well, great question. Uh, the first thing I will say is, let me look at the first layer. My question is, how do you deal with fear of following God's will or stepping out in faith? Well, 
we'll start with the insecurities. Uh, the more you get to know God, the more you'll feel secure. All right. The more you begin to, uh, and I know this sounds uh, uh, basic, but it's legitimate, that the more you begin to fellowship with God, engage with him, get to know him, track his faithfulness, uh, begin to really make time for him to come inside of you to heal those areas, then you'll begin to feel more secure. Usually insecurities is due to uh, uh, inf unfamiliarities, right? I mean, you're going to insecurities. You can't control when they rise, but you don't, you should never take it as a ride. And what I mean by that is insecurity is going to rise. When I got married, insecurities rose because I never seen what a, a husband before. I, I haven't been a, a, a husband before. So there are going to be some natural insecurities because I was unfamiliar with the position of being a husband. But one thing that made me feel secure is that I take it out hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, right? That helps me not become in, in a slump. It helps me from not becoming so shaky because I know that in this position requires supernatural support. I can't be a husband on my own because the facts have proven that I've never seen it in the household. I've never been it before. So of course, it's going to be some growth and grace needed. And when I know that there's requiring of growth and grace, then I rest in the grace of God for the race that God has me to run, knowing that he will supernaturally sustain me as a husband. And when I have children, it's going to be some natural insecurities that rise because I never had children before, but I know that his grace is already there. His measure of grace is already in the future so that when I get to that part of my race, his grace will sustain me and have me be at pace, right? And so how do you deal with it? Knowing that God is with you. And really start embracing the idea that God is Emmanuel, that he is with you, that he will guide you. The thing is, you may have to slow your life down. You may have to steal your life more to be able to invest more of your life in getting to know this God so that you can begin to understand what it means to walk with this God, right? So how do you deal with fear? You got to deal it with love. The Bible says the perfect love of God casts out all fear. You, you are able to cast your cares on God when you are for, when you are unaware that he cares for you. Right. So following God is going to be uneasy because it's going to be unfamiliar. God is always going to bring you to a place of discomfort because you don't grow in comfort zones. You grow in challenge zones. You don't grow where you're comfortable. You grow where you're uncomfortable. And God is always going to give you something bigger than your capabilities because He, if he gave you something that was man size or woman size, then there will be no need for God, right? But God will always give you a God size thing to do so that you can always have stay in faith. Faith gives us the opportunity to reveal God's glory. If God gave you something your size, then people will glorify you. But if God gives you something that's God's size and you can't and you are limited, and then when you get to those limits, all that you can do is stand and see the salvation, then the audience will be able to see the God's glory because God is the only one that can handle glory. So when you understand why God does what he does and why and why he guides you the way he does, then you will begin to find comfort knowing that, of course, I'm going to be insecure, but I'm not going to allow myself to ride those insecurities long because the more you begin to ride those insecurities, you become impatient, impulsive, or you begin to say, you know what? I don't even want to do this in the first place. So I have insecurities and it seems like I'm emotionally unstable. Now, you got to find the root of that emotional instability and it boils down to how you feel mentally. 
That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mindset has to be reset. Your mindset has to get back to the default setting, the default line, the foundation, which is the word of God, which means now you have to get on a sheet of paper, write down everything that triggers you in a way that causes you to become emotionally unstable. And then write those things out and then deal with them. And what I mean by that is by saying, okay, why am I giving this thing so much power in this hour, causing me to be sour, right? Causing me not to be the uh, the type of beast to devour the things that God wants me to do, right? You deal with them by going to God's word and say, okay, let me find scriptures that contradict these negative emotions so that I can begin to dwell on them and meditate on them and allow those things to settle inside of me so I can become a stable. And you usually the Holy Spirit will take you all the way down to the bottom floor of your heart, which will open the door for you to start forgiving people, forgiving yourself and gradually walk in that process. And anytime you become emotionally unstable, take five. I always say take five, take 15 or take 50. I'm working on the book right now with this formula now. Either take five, you take 15, or you take 50. Take five minutes, or take 15 minutes, or take 50 minutes, and begin to process why you're feeling what you're feeling, and then give it over to God and develop some level of system where you have scriptures that you can pull out your purse, pull out your wallet, and go over it, right? Now, when it comes to opinions of people, people don't always have something to say when you're building your ark. Noah had to hear it for 60 plus years. People talking about it ain't rained in years. And, and look at this man thinking he can and he's going to build this boat and we don't even know where there's water. All right. People don't always have opinion, but opinions always are mouths out. Mouths end up closed when the clouds come. Mm. Mouths end up closed when the clouds come. Everybody who hated on Noah, when God shut that door in that ark, all those people's opinions were closed because the clouds came and the rain fell. And you have to understand that God is allowing you to hear what they got to say, because that's a module that we have to go through. That's a test that we all got to go through is going through people's opinions. And if you can't handle people's opinions at this level, you ain't going to handle the opinions of people at the next level. So this is a module that you have to go through. And all these flaring emotions coming to the surface are indicators of where you are in your walk with God. Take that intel, dwell on it, and allow the Holy Spirit being the well inside of you to begin to energize you and nourish you to go forward. But people always have opinions. But when God comes through, everybody's mouths are shut. I hope that helped. I hope that blessed you, my friend. I know it was a lot, but I hope it, it gave you the, uh, the answer that you needed. Tracy, what's going on? Hope you're well. <clears throat> Let me see here. Uh, Jenny D says, question. I didn't grow up with the father. I, I want to know how to be a daughter of God. Great question, Jenny. The enemy knows that the best way to alter a person's uh, idea of God or understanding of a God and going to the altar of God to be delivered and set free is to alter the way they see God through their father. If I can attack the father, the, the actual child, the uh, actual child's earthly father, then I can have a way of affecting how they see their eternal father. Right. So usually that first sentence is where most people anchor their excuses. So people will say the reason why I'm doing X, Y, and Z is because I didn't have my father with me, right? And so usually people never deal with the idea that God was there the whole time. 
For instance, I grew up without a father in the house. Me and my father are great to this day. We're cool now. But I grew up without a father, and there were some effects that it caused. It, the cause of not having a father produced certain effects in my life. It produced abandonment issues. It produced a lot of different things, right? And about the time I was 25, 26, I didn't realize that I buried those things deeply inside my heart. Then I had to really take uh, ownership of I can no longer make this an excuse. Right. I can no longer utilize an excuse. Now, how to transition into growing up as a daughter of God is realizing that your heavenly father, it was nothing like your earthly father. Even if your earthly father was the best father, he may have passed away or whatever. Even if he was the best father, the best guy in the world, God's a billion times greater than that, right? And so how you grow into being a daughter of God is realizing that's your greatest position. When you understand the value of a position in correlation to all future positions, then you would dive deeper into that position. The greatest position a woman will ever have, the greatest title a woman will ever have, the greatest function a woman will ever have is being a daughter of God. Being a daughter of God sets you up to be a wife. Oh, no, no. It sets you up to be a woman. And then it sets you up to be a wife. Then it sets you up to being a mother. It sets you up to being an entrepreneur. Whatever function that God has in, for your life, it sets you up for that, right? And so, number one, you have to understand that you did grow up with a father. You grew up with a father. And the best way to track that is to begin to look back over your life and be able to say, God, you really guided me through it all. You was a present help in all my times of trouble, even in the midst of my ignorance, you were still there in the midst of it. So you so you change your mind, your mental settings from going from I didn't have a father to switching it to I had a father the whole time, God being there with me, which then will build up a certain level of joy, which will then open up your heart to forgive your natural father, which will then open up your heart to begin to find freedom in Christ. And then when you begin to see the value of what it means to be a daughter of God and how it affects your uh, future positions, this is what I want you to do. Get a sheet of paper and write down every position you want to hold in life. Wife, mother, CEO, uh, organizational leader, whatever position you want to hold. And then at the bottom of it, I want you to write down as a foundation, as an imagery of daughter of God. If you don't if you can't be free as a daughter of God, then you won't flow in those other positions, which then will begin to say, I'm going to start with God. Now, this is how you do it. <clears throat> By being honest, go to God and vent, cry, get all that out your system. Get all that out your system. Go to God, vent, cry. You can journal, write to God, talk to God, vent to God. What I normally do, with me being a son of God, I go for long drives. I, I wait till my wife is gone. I, I, I get to a place where I'm alone. I'm introverted. So I get alone with God and I just empty my heart to him because I know he's the only one that fully understands me to, to, to the way, to the capacity where I'm able to find safety, right? And you start from there. Start from honesty. Start from transparency. Start with intimacy. And then you will begin to see God supernaturally work through you, developing you into a woman of God, positioning you eventually to a wife of God. Then open your womb to be a mother of God. Open opportunities for you to be a CEO of God, a business owner of God, entrepreneur of God. Right. So never allow what you didn't grow up with to be a crutch because God was always there because he's omniscient. Hope to help. I really hope that helped. Uh, let's see here. Let me scroll back up.
Record says in Deuteronomy and through the Old Testament, God states that amongst his kingdom of Israel, if a person intentionally kills and flees from a the city, they should bring him back and kill him. Uh, let me see what else you got, fam. Let me see if you got a follow up. I'm not sure what your question is. I'm not really sure. I have heard about that. But give me some clarity, family, so I can see what you what you mean by that. Let me see if I can see if you wrote anything else. Uh, but I'll come back to you, fam. Fun with Tasha Brown says, heaven is real. I know for a fact. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, me too. Yeah. Just want clarification. Oh, you want clarification? In Deuteronomy through the Old Testament, God states that amongst his kingdom of Israel, if a person intentionally kills and flees to another city, they should bring him back and kill him. Just want clarification. I'm not sure, fam. Um, let me see. Amongst kills and flees to another city, they should bring him back and kill him. I'm not sure, man. I need context. I need to read over that, man. If you if you put the chapter in verse for me, and then I can see what I can do later. And if you see me another live, remind me of that because I would love to do a study on that, man, to help you. But as of now, I don't. I'm not sure what angle you want me to take there, family. But definitely let me know. Zandamav, Zandy. I'm so sorry. Question: How do I get over feeling bad about myself? Realizing number one that you're not that dope. And what I mean by that, hear what I'm saying, like what delivered me is realizing that I am not as bad as they say they are, that as they say I am, I'm not as dope as they say I am. It keeps me humble. Usually when we feel overly overbearing feelings about ourselves, then to a degree, we hold ourselves to too high of esteem. The Bible says, think of yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think of yourself soberly. Sober mindedness means that I'm not intoxicated by any feelings. Feelings are like alcohol. Feelings are like drugs. They will have you high or low, right? Uh, sober mindedness means that I got to think of myself and consider myself in the grand scheme of things, in the grand grace of things, in the grand plan of God's plan for my life. I got to think of things in all encompassing, right? And so when you have bad feelings about yourself, you have to first give yourself time to come off that high or come up from that low. And get to a sober-minded place. How do you get to sober-mindedness? Utilize exercise. Utilize something fun. Go get you something good to eat. Um, do something that you enjoy, so that you can get from, so you can climb up from that low and come down from that high. And then really write down a sheet of paper when you come down to sober-mindedness level. Write down a sheet of paper and everything in the grand scheme of things. At first, write down the feelings. Why do I feel bad about myself? Why do I feel bad? What accomplishments did I not accomplish? What did I fail to do, right? Write those different things down because when you leave those things in the pool of your emotions, you will begin to be swayed multiple ways. But when you put it down on a sheet of paper and you really see it in black and white and in the light, then you will see, man, what's wrong or right. You'll be able to see if it's worth, if it's worth me to fight or flight, right? You will begin to see what is needed. But you have to get to a place of sober mindedness. So you have to come down from the high of of uh, and the lows of all these different variances of emotions and then really look at yourself in the will of God. You, I used to struggle with this big time. I, I was the biggest critic of myself. If I made one mistake, I'm out for two days. I overanalyze, I overprocess, but now I give myself grace. If I make a mistake, if something falls, I am fully aware of God's grace and fully aware of my heart. Now, don't get me wrong. The heart is desperately wicked. I'm not sitting there saying that I know my heart fully, but I know my heart's posture towards God. 
I know my heart fears and reverence God. I know my heart is aware that I, I, I am loved by God, which gives me the amnesia I need to get over what it has done. These four A's will help you, my friend. Assess, oh no, no, five A's. Acknowledge, assess, adjust, amnesia, and advance. What I do is I acknowledge God. I make it a habit. I acknowledge God in all my ways. I acknowledge who he is in my life. I acknowledge that I have his favor. I acknowledge that I have his grace and mercy. I acknowledge that he's with me. I acknowledge he's a present help in a time of trouble. I acknowledge that he's not a father that's going to clown me and pick on me and yell at me if I fall off my bike, but he'll be that gentle father that gets me back on my bike so I can ride. I acknowledge and I am aware. Acknowledge and aware. I'm aware that God is there and I acknowledge him when things ain't fair fair weather for me, right? Then I assess. I assess where I made the mistakes. I assess every access point, every issue by which I fell through, right? After that assessment, I then make the necessary adjustments. I know that at this point in a day, at this part of the year, I fall. So use, now I'm going to make the right amount of adjustments and get anchored in my spiritual disciplines so that I can be uh, 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 rooted by the, by the wellspring flow of the Holy Spirit that will then cause me to go forward. After I acknowledge and become aware that God is who he is and he's there for me and that he loves me, then I make the assessments of where I made the mistakes. After I make the assessments, then I start implementing and going into the adjustments. After I've made the adjustments, I have amnesia. I forget about it. If my father forgets it as far as the east is from the west, I got to forget about it. And amnesia is something that you work towards. Amnesia means, hey, man, you, of course you're not going to forget quote unquote, but you can act like you, it, you may not forget, but you can flood it from all of his feelings. You can fl flood it or drain it from all of his bad effects on you. So no matter what mistakes I make, I forget about it because I know God's grace is there. I know God gave me 14 billion second chances. You, your mess can't mess up God's plan. God, God has a message out of your mess. Please understand that. Every mess that you find yourself in is a potential message. You cannot mess up the plan of God. You can't mess up the will of God. If God chose you with your mess in mind and he has your best in mind, so I don't stress in time. So don't feel bad. You get over it by those four or five A's. You get over it by realizing that God has a way uh, for you out of it and that you're not as bad as you think and you're not as dope as you think, you got to get sober-minded and do the activity where you process it on paper. Why? What are these strong feelings I'm having? Uh, let me practice forgiving myself for that mistake. Let me practice these five A's. And I hope it helps you uh, um, days going forward. Let me see here. Hmm, okay. Fun with Tasha says, oh, I got to go. I got I to gotta go. I got a coaching session at one o'clock. I got to go pretty soon. If you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, I got some time available this week. Um, uh, go to my website, imunplugged.com and post that right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, the link is on in the chat box. Um, imunplugged.com. Go to the custom coaching tab. If you want some one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching, relationship coaching, um, pre-engagement, engagement, marital, all that kind of coaching stuff. I'm here to support you all. Uh, as and I know for a fact he is he'll hell is real. I heard people, yeah, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh moments where people was like, yo, yeah, man. Um Ernest Jerome says heaven is real because Jesus promised his disciples that he was going to heaven and will certainly be back. That's right. 
That's why I told the gentleman to go down the angle of proving the Bible is being infallible, proving the Bible is real. Because if you can have trust that the Bible is real and you believe God is real, then you'll believe the conscience of the word of God is real. Ernest also says hell is real. There was an interview from hell between the rich men. That's right. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Christina says, yes, thank you. You're so welcome. That's encouraging. Brian says, how do you move forward after consistent failure? Well, consistent failure means consistent learning. I never have the mentality that I win or lose, bro. I always have the mentality that I win and learn. I win and learn. Uh, there's wins and lessons. I never lose because in every loss, there's a lesson. So what I do is, now, this is what you can do. If it's consistent failure in a particular thing. Now, if you're consistent failing trying to find a solution that's different than consistent failure because of habits and cycles, right? So you move forward from, from consistent failure by not identifying yourself with the failure. The issue is most people identify themselves with the failure. Therefore, they keep failing. You have to understand that uh, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Uh, greater is he that's in you. You are more than a conqueror, right? Right. So uh, 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 endure hardships like a good soldier. So there's a lot of different verses that you can pull from that lets you know that you are more than what you are experiencing. So if you're consistently failing, then you got to go through those five A's as well. You got to start saying, okay, I got to acknowledge that I'm not a failure. I got to acknowledge that God is my source. I got to acknowledge that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I got to acknowledge that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then I got to make the assessments. Where in my life am I making dumb decisions and why am I making those decisions that produce any certain failures, right? And then after that, you make the adjustments. And, and if you uh, um, areas of your life that you lack discipline, then you have to be more consistent in those specific particular small things so that you could do the big things well. That's why I say small uh, the small foxes spoil the vine. Why? Because people build big fences for big foxes, but they don't really consider the small foxes that get up under the fence or dig up under the fence and get to your fruit. So you got to look at the little things that you're not disciplined in and then become disciplined in those different things so that you can truly adjust so that you can uh, advance. And then you got to have amnesia. The number one thing you must not do, my brother, is identify with the failure. The moment you identify with the failure, you're going to keep failing. And then anywhere you have identity, that's where you have intimacy and that's where you have identity. Now you identify with it and now you feel um, that that's who you are and you can't go too far beyond that, that place there. All right. So how do you move forward? Number one, you got to realize, man, that, that you are not the failure. You're not a failure. Number two, you got to realize that there's lessons in every failure. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a sheet of paper and write down all the failures that you have done recently. And I want you to write up under each of those failures, all the potential lessons in those failures. And after you write down all the potential lessons in those failures, I want you to begin to start intentionally going after those lessons and those failures. And then my friend, you'll end up seeing yourself moving on. I got to go, y'all. Got to get ready for my coaching session. I uh, love you all, man. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, man, Natalie, you got me. You got me. You got me, Natalie. This is my last one. I got to go. Oh, man, a lot of good questions. A lot of good questions. All right, Natalie, how do I ask God for determining about a guy I like? I feel like God is avoiding me. Um, Anytime that you feel God is silent, that means you're in the middle of a test. And a good thing about this test that God gives us as believers is that it's an open book tutored test. You have an open book, which means the word of God. God's a God that doesn't want to always be there for you. And what I mean by that, he's always there for you, but he doesn't want to always, he don't want to make you lazy. He don't want you to make you so dependent on him that you don't really enjoy the independence and the freedom that you have in Christ. That doesn't mean license to sin. Now, hear what I mean. 
God doesn't want you independent of him, meaning that you live life without him, nor does he want you to be so dependent on him that you can't live life from him. He wants you to be interdependent. There's some responsibility that you must do, and there's some responsibility that he does. That's the balance of the relationship with God, meaning that when he's quiet and when he's silent, it's an open book test, which means you can go to your word of God. You go to the word of God and, and from your situation, begin to look up scriptures by utilizing Google or whatever search engine that you want to use, scriptures that will support that, right? And then begin to put that word into action. Also, you have a tutor on standby, the Holy Spirit. So usually why God the Father is quiet is because he wants to see uh, he wants you to see, because God already knows, God wants you to see where your growth is in your relationship with God. He wants you to see whether or not you are as strong as you think you are, right? Or as stronger than what you thought you was, right? That's what he wants. So how do you ask God for discernment? Is open your eyes and see the obvious. If God is quiet, look at the obvious. So what you do is look at this young man. First, before you look at this young man, look at your heart. Discern your heart. Go deep in your heart. Ask yourself, are you fully content in your singleness? Are you okay if this man ain't the one for you? Are you happy with where, are you full of joy of where God has you right now? Is there any impatience in you when it comes to marriage or whatever? Is there any impulsiveness in you? Is there any type of insecurities in you? Right? Is there any type of ignorances in you in regards to the next phase of your life? Look at your heart because when you look inside, then you will see, man, that I'm not ready for this ride. I'm not really ready for this. And God will never bring anything into your life, especially a gentleman, anything that will take you to the next level without uh, uh, maturity and stability. So if you find any of those things in your heart, then that may not be the part that's supposed to be a counterpart in your life. So God wants you to look within. Now, if those areas are seemingly strong and you're good in those areas, then you look at the gentleman. And you usually when you are uh, solid, stable, content with God, you're able to see the red flags. So how do I ask God for discernment about a guy? Uh, you already asked, right? Now look through your eyes and see, look inside first, look inside of yourself, then look outside of yourself, and then you'll see the obvious. God has People want an audible, uh, a, a vo they want to hear the audible voice of God. But God's like, I speak in multiple different ways. So God wants you to utilize your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth to see what he has already shown. People are waiting for the writings on the wall or the thunderous audible voice of God. And God's like, fam, it's obvious. Your heart is obvious. The things that we overlook is the red flags in our heart and the red flags on the individual because of impulsiveness, insecurities, impatience, inadequacies, identity issues, and ignorances. And we don't see the obvious. And God's like, I've been speaking through the flags. Love y'all. <clears throat> Hope that helped. Um, T. Sally, I got to answer this one. How did you market your message and inspire others? Well, it all began, man. I got to do this real quickly. Um, man, I'm, I'm moved. I'm moved by, by God, man, that God chose me. Ever since I was a young man, I kept hearing my mom at a young age telling me that you're not called, son, you're chosen. 
and God has a special purpose for you. And that really did did monumentous things in my life, coupled with my dad when he told me that as he means king and uh, and that you are a chief. And so hearing those things as a young man really uh, gave me a, 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 a super level of confidence uh, um, that that I'm that I'm unique, that I'm special to God, that I'm loved by God, right? And that inspires me because you need something beyond time to be your inspiration because things in time can cause your inspiration to fluctuate. You need something beyond time. You need an eternal goal. I told my students in my Bible class Sunday, you need eternal goals, internal goals, and external goals. Those work simultaneously, but in that specific order. My eternal goal is to hear the words, well done to see the open arms of my father hugging me and embracing me, the savior uh, telling me well done, right? That's what I want. So my eternal goal is for, for heaven to be impacted by my life here on earth. Then I look into my internal goals. What must I, what type of man do I wanna become? And then I then flood into my external goals, the goals that I wanna achieve beyond me, right? And so when it comes to that, that right there motivates me to inspire people to become holistic for God's optimus. Because if you begin to become a whole, then God can use you optimally. <clears throat> That's why I study. <clears throat> That's why I invest in my time with God. Because the better I get, the better the output. The better I am in intimacy with God, the more I invest in intimacy with God, the more impactful and anointed I become. And the anointing that flows through my life can break the yokes off of others, become an inspiration to others for them to grow closer to God. And then the process, it has a residual effect. Now, how did I market my message? We look at the word message. The first three words, four words is mess. Usually your message is where you've experienced mess. Message is an aged mess. Look at the word age is in there. Message, age, mess. You can't have a message if you're still in the mess. Then then your message won't be impactful. You have to have an age mess. You have to have uh, matured and grown from those experiences so that people can feel the groan from your spirit, knowing that, yo, that message is something solid from him, her, that they are impactful. But if you're still in the mess, then learn from that mess and then give some age to that mess so that you can develop that message. Then the market is the market. Then you utilize the different skill sets inside of you. And then I begin to realize, yo, you are you are an orator. You're, you're a speaker. You are a wordsmith. I'm more than just words. I, I, I consider myself a wordsmith. So anything that has to do with words, that's my gifting. So then that led me into books. Then that led me into videos. Then that led me into speaking engagements, right? So how I market it is first making sure that my mess was aged which developed my message. So look at every message you've experienced. Message that I've experienced was abandonment issues, lust issues, uh, pride issues, uh, purpose issues. Uh, and and not, as, not everything has to be a mess, right? Like purpose wasn't necessarily a mess for me. I'm just skilled in that, right? And so then when those things become age, you have experience authenticity. Nobody wants to get advice from someone that's never been there before. That's why if a person always answers your your concerns with scripture, 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 and you should do this, you should do that very intently, intensely, like it's, in, uh, uh, it's, it's intense, intense, then you can't trust it because you're just speaking from here. But that's why the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. That's the greatest form of ministry that I rejoice with you. I listen to you. I weep with you because I understand you. I've been there before. That's why you never take advice from someone that's never stood under the thing that you're standing under. 
Because if you never stood under that type of weight, if you never stood under that type of pressure, then how will you help me through my pressure and through the weight? So that's why you got to like allow your message to age so that you can understand every stage of the mess so that when someone comes to you, you won't be so uh, um, dogmatic or or self-righteous about it that that person don't really get the, 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 the thing they need. And then you go into the marketplace. Me, I got into videos. I said, you know what? It began to bubble in my spirit, fam, to where I said, what's the outlet? So I started with a recorder. I remember when there was no YouTube. I remember where there was no Facebook videos. You see what I'm saying? So I had to do audio messages. And then as the market began to advance, I began to find my different interests into it. And then I began to market it. So my greatest marketing is through my words, through video. Because I know when people feel the authenticity, they feel the anointing, then it naturally takes care of itself. That's why money always, listen, if you master your craft and you keep your mess aged, Man, you'll be on many stages, fam. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will then market you. Now, you have to also understand what your message, like my message is not the, it's heavier. It's heavier. So heavy planes take longer to take flight. Heavy ships don't go across the seas as quickly as, as jet skis or fast boats. So if your message is more of end time and your message is more of sound doctrine and your message is more of systematical things, then you have to be okay with how the market responds. So if the market responds to me that I'm not taking off like these other preachers because it's kind of cookie cutter and full with sprinkles and have no substance, then I can't get mad if the market is slower with me. But when it comes to the market... When you are marketed by God and God's your marketing agent, then man, favor ain't fair. God opens doors for you. So the, you you do your part in marketing yourself by just going out there and giving things for free. One thing that I learned about the Asians and in and, and the, and the malls, and please forgive me if that sounds racist, or the, the Chinese restaurants in the mall, what they do, they stick a toothpick in that sesame seed chicken and they offer it to you. Because they know you've been walking through that mall all day and you're tired. You've been walking all day and you're tired. And they, when you come to that place, you're getting hungry. So what they do, they give you a free sample. And when you taste that free sample and that sauce gets all up in your jaws, and you know when those jaws get tingled and you like, man, that tastes good, what you going to do? You're going to purchase. So you got to put, you got to give something free to the market and the market will then uh, reward you if you're good enough. That's why you have to be good enough. So that's how I market my message and inspire others, man. And I'm, I have an eternal goal for God to be pleased, that I really care about God's people. I really care about um, God being glorified. And if I can help you and take the time to help you, the rest will help me in time. And I market it through videos, through books, through card games, and I give it out. I give it out because I know the more I plant, the more I sow seed, when it's harvest time for me, I'll be plucking for years. Love you. I got to go. Got to make sure I get ready for my next coaching session. If you need one-on-one coaching, let me know. I am unplugged.com. If you need help with relationships, spiritual growth, singleness, uh, purpose and whatnot, and branding, marketing strategy with your message and your whatever, I can help you with that. I'll check out my latest book, The Wholeness Journal. Are you whole enough to hold? It's a great book and resource on wholeness and being a being in a position to hold things well. Got a card game hold. The first one to spell whole wins. A great card game for those who want to be good holders. Um, my book, The Purpose of Singles, is a great book for singles to help them understand the purpose of singleness and how to maximize it. My book, Dating Preps, a great book to help you date God, date yourself, and become dateable so you can take the love of your life forever. I'm thinking about doing a part two to this. 
because um, I've got a lot of great intel about this. But uh, it's a great book to with a lot of questions to either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship. I also got this book called The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties and Uproot Strongholds, Whom the Sun Sets Free is Free Indeed. That the, the sun has opened the door, but you have to fly in that freedom. Also, if you have questions about discernment, whether or not that man's a counterfeit, that girl's a counterfeit, that city's a counterfeit, job's a counterfeit, opinion's a counterfeit, whatever it is, this book will help you understand discernment and how God confirms things. Uh, also, if you have children, uh, we have our, my wife and I have our own uh, uh, book for students, as he says, as for students I serve, great book to help students find their art form and their purpose. If you're struggling with spiritual warfare and how to ho- and need more understanding about how to put on the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, is a great book there as well. We also got merch on our website. Everything's available on our website, imunplugged.com, as well as the card games uh, for dating prep. I got to do better graphics for that. But anyway, I love you all. I got to go. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.